I want to start with a quote today. This is a Charles Fillmore quote, and if you're visiting us for the first time, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore were the founders of the unity movement. And Charles says this, The true church is not made of creeds and forms, nor is it contained in walls of wood and stone. The heart of man is its temple, and the spirit of truth is the one guide into all truth. When men learn to turn within to the spirit of truth, who is in each for his light and inspiration, the differences between the churches of man will be eliminated, and the one church will be recognized. That's why we're here, isn't it? That's why we're here. We kind of like that. That's a good thought. So what I like about this particular quote is that it, it's a nice carry-on of Reverend Rogers' conversation with you last week when he quoted Emerson in speaking about the original relationship, that all of us have the opportunity to step beyond sacred text, beyond dogmatic teachings, and to move into a place of original relationship with the divine, something that belongs to us and is true in our own hearts. So... One of the things that's interesting and different about unity is that we have a different uh, relationship with the divine than a lot of traditional, especially traditional Christianity. Traditional Christianity places God outside, away from us, as a source for love and forgiveness, as a source of compassion, as a source of life, uh, but always separate. And there are times that that can be very comforting. There are times when we're ill, when we feel um, not powerful enough, that it can be very comforting to embrace the idea that we are being embraced by the holy. So it's not so much that unity doesn't allow that, because unity certainly allows you to place God wherever you want God. But unity teaches about God in a different way. And I want to show you about that today. As we start. So, have any of you ever had one of these? This is called a bed of nails. And um, it's kind of a cool little thing. It's just a little plastic board with tiny little nails in it. But it can fascinate you for hours. And when I was a kid, it did. Because you could put anything on here first. You could put your hand on there. Right? And then it would go away. Or you could put your cheek on there. And it would go, you could put anything on here, and whatever you put here is what you would get an image of on the top, right? And then when you're done with it, it goes back. So this is a really good metaphor for how unity teaches about God. Unity teaches about God from the perspective of divine mind or divine consciousness, that there is a field of consciousness from which everything emerges. And this is a wonderful, wonderful um, kind of dovetail right now into quantum physics because the quantum world, the scientific world, also teaches about a quantum field or a unified field from which everything emerges. And what we know, what our science teaches us, is that this piano and this podium and this sheet of paper and this head and everything that we see, every person in this room, is comprised of the same energy as is found in the quantum field. 
We know that if you go below molecules and, and atoms and down into to something so small as what is called a quark, that that is the foundation, the energy field from which life emerges. Everything is made of the same energy as much as our elusive eyes might be telling us something different. And so if you could imagine that this field that I'm holding is that divine field, then anything that wants to emerge from here can emerge. And when it's done, it returns to the divine field. But when it's emerging, when we have this, this wonderful little handprint, has the field become something other than the field? No. The field is the same, isn't it? Is the handprint disconnected from the field in any way? No. No, it's always connected. So unity believes in an omniscient, all-powerful God from whom we emerge. That we are one with that God, that there is no separation. There is nothing else. That all life, all animals, rocks, stones, trees, people, couches, everything... (laughs) comes from the same divine field, which syncs up really well with our current science, doesn't it? So that's our first principle. Our first principle is that there is one God. There is one source. You can call it whatever you want. Unity is non-dogmatic. We don't care if you call it God, goddess, all that is, I am, anything you want, universal spirit, whatever. It's still all the same one field. Unity believes, its second principle, that if everything is that one field, then we emerge from that field. And if we emerge from that field, we are made up of the same stuff as God. In fact, we are one with God. There is no separation. We could not exist if there were any separation. So because we are one with God and we see God as omniscient, all-powerful, and all-good then we have reason to believe ourselves at our core and our most holy sacred center are also good. That's a big thing to take on. That is a huge, huge belief to be one with God. Whatever you want to call God, that's a huge, huge thing to accept because every single person in this room has made a mistake somewhere. And what are we saying? If we're one with God, then God makes mistakes? If we're one with God, God gets angry? Oh, interesting, huh? Well, here's the thing. If you believe, I can look at this and I can go, oh, cool, there's a hand in there, right? If I believe that that hand is separate, and I don't know the mechanism behind here. All I see is the hand. I can totally believe this is a separate work of art, can't I? Because I don't understand the mechanics. The luck that we have here is we can see the mechanics. In our society, in the world, in our humanity, many of us have taken on the belief that we're separate from God. And if you're separate from God, you can do whatever you want to do. It's a huge responsibility to be one with God. Because if you're one with the holy, if you are one with the source inseparably, then you think differently. 
Do you remember those old little bands that they wore that you could pull that said, what would Jesus do? WWJD? WWGD, what would God do? Uh, it can be WWBD, what would Buddha do? I don't care. <laughs> Whatever you want to put on there doesn't matter. But if you are one with God and you take that on, you have to walk and talk and move and live like that. And that is a big job. So when we talk about this at Unity, we're not, we're not making it up. This is really what we want you to do. This is what you're being invited to do, to recognize that you are one with God, and that should be the guiding force in your life. Because when you walk as though you have that, you will change the face of the world. Everything will be different. So we have these words up on the platform up here, up on our back wall that say, be still and know. The continuation of that statement is, be still and know that I am God. Right? So a lot of churches look at that and say, be still and know that I out there is God. Right? Is God. As opposed to be still and know that I am God. Be still. Say it with me. Be still and know that I am God. Now close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, and say it with me again to yourself. Be still and know that I am God. Open your eyes. Unity invites you to step into to the reality that you are an expression of the divine that your being matters, that you are powerful beyond your imagination, and that the world can be very different should you choose to express in that way. And unity gives you some tools you can use. Our third principle says we can use both prayer and affirmation to connect to that universal field, to connect into this field. What I love about the video that we watched earlier was that the brother was speaking about coming from the, the silence into the great song. Coming from the silence into the great song. And so one of the things that we know about Charles and Myrtle was that they were masters at being in the silence. In fact, we know Charles meditated for at least an hour and sometimes many hours a day. He went into the silence. So how do we go into the silence? How does that happen when we're out here being our expression of God? We settle into the silence, don't we? We settle down into the silence. And it happens in layers. We first release our need to be so aware of our physical body. We find ourselves comfortable in this form, find a comfortable place to sit, a comfortable place to be. And we let that physical form be safe in the space that we're in and know that it will take care of itself. And then we begin to clear our mind to let things that we think are so important just clear from our mind. And that's a challenge. I asked you to do that during the meditation today. How many of you had to push some thoughts out of your mind? Yeah, several. It's practice. It's a practice to go to the silence. It takes time and willingness to go there. 
So we allow our thoughts to clear, and when that happens, our emotions begin to clear. Our mind directs our emotions. Our emotions begin to clear, and we find ourselves still. Be still and know that I am God. That's the phrase that you can use when you go into the meditation that directs everything about you, doesn't it? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It tells every cell in our body what we're doing. We don't have it up there by accident. It's there because it's a guiding statement that we can use. So when we go to the stillness, we're being. We're not thinking, we're not doing, we're not making, we're not creating, we're not responding, we're being. Because that's what this divine field does. It's being. It's being, and and as long as we're thinking, it's responding to what we're thinking. It's creating in our lives. Whatever it is that we're thinking about, whatever it is we're speaking, that field is responding. When we're still with that field, that field no longer has to do for us. That field then is able to envelop us, and we have access to what is there. And what is there is all the wisdom of the world, all the wisdom beyond the world, all the healing energy ever available. All of that is available in that field if we can be still and immerse ourselves in it in the same way that you would immerse yourself in a pool of water. And it would change. If you immerse yourself in cold water, it will change your state of being very quickly, won't it? (laughs) Right? If you immerse yourself in the divine in the stillness, in the silence, it will change. It will change you. So we immerse ourselves through meditation. In that place, we make affirmations. And those affirmations, when we say, my body is restored to perfect health, we are telling this divine field exactly what it's creating. And it will create for us. With us, collaboratively. So we have to be careful what we tell it. If we tell it, that guy in the car in front of us ought to go off a cliff somewhere. Is that really what you want to do? No. It's not us expressing as God, is it? It changes everything. So we can pray, we can affirm, and our fourth principle is that we can think differently. We can control our thoughts. We can practice that. We can practice. Because most of us here, we're not birthed into unity. Most of us came through a tradition that told us we were not holy enough, not sacred enough, not good enough, and prone to making bad decisions. And we believed it. And so we behave from that. Well, now you're getting a different truth to behave from. You're getting the truth that you are God expressing. And you're getting the opportunity to live into that. And the fifth principle that we have been offered through these teachings is that that knowing this is not enough. That it's great to know it, but it means nothing unless you do something with it. So... I'll just give you the opportunity. You might want to try another church that doesn't have so much work. (laughs) Because here, we're working on something. 
Here we're doing something. We are in a practice that invites us to express our most holy divine self in a powerful way in the world. And we can do that lots of different ways. We can do it through our inner working, through simply being a state of perfected balance. Because we know from science that a higher vibration will pull up a lower vibration. So when we choose to walk truly as our expression of the divine, we invite the rest of the world to a new standard. That's just us being. That's before we take any action. We can reach out and help those in need. Because when you're in need, it's very hard to raise your consciousness. When you don't know how you're going to eat or where you're going to sleep tonight. We can reach out as we do here through Westside Cares, even in our reaching that that we do internationally down into schools in Kenya. Those are things that are ways for us to make a difference. We can reach through the prosperity teachings that we offer here because when we recognize that we are God and we are God expressing and we are that field, prosperity becomes available to us. And prosperity, we've been taught, you know, got to watch out for those wealthy preachers, right? (laughs) Well, this is a bad way to think. We have to watch out for people who have money because money corrupts. That's a belief that you were taught. It's not a truth. What actually happens as we become prosperous is that we have an ability to change things in the world. We have an ability to help people who aren't there yet. And we we are doing that. If you're here visiting, this is part of what we do. We are helping people. We are taking action. We are engaged in how to make the world a better place. We do this by how we are with our friends and our family, by how we get up in the morning, by our very conscious thoughts to step forward as God today, by our willingness to be present to this technology every single moment. So if you write to me and you say, will you pray for me? Most often the response you'll get back is praying ceaselessly. Every breath that we take, every step that we make, oh, it's a song. going there. <laughs> these are, these steps, stop singing now, dear. <laughs> and to make you sit in the back of the room. So these steps, if, when, when we are conscious, everything that we do is a prayer, isn't it? Every single thing that we do is our effort to express God more completely and more wholly. And that truly is what we're about here. That truly is the foundation that everything gets run against. When we look at a class and decide if we're going to offer a class, does it line up with these principles? When we gather for a ceremony, are we teaching these principles? This is what unity is and what unity does. And it's not about who you see as your God or what your story is for God. It's about your personal relationship with that holy field of being. No matter what name you choose, no matter how you have been brought up to call that, I will use the word God because it's common and we're comfortable with it. But it's our ability to be at one with that and to know who we really are that changes the world. I have some quotes for you. Terrence McKenna said, You are an explorer, 
And you represent our species. And the greatest good you can do is to bring back a new idea because our world is endangered by the absence of good ideas. Our world is in crisis because of the absence of good ideas. Brian Cox said, we are the cosmos made conscious and life is the means by which the universe understands itself. Ramachandra says, how can a three pound mass of jelly that you can hold in the palm of your hand, imagine angels contemplate the meaning of infinity and even question its own place in the cosmos. Especially awe-inspiring is the fact that any single brain, including yours, is made up of atoms that were forged in the hearts of countless far-flung stars billions of years ago. These particles drifted for eons and light years until gravity and change brought them together here and now. Graham Hancock said, I don't believe that consciousness is generated by the brain. I believe that the brain is more of a receiver. That's a good thought, isn't it? And this is by Paul Farini, who is one of my favorite, favorite poets of all time. And he says this, the love of God goes with you. Whenever, wherever you go, the love of God goes with you. It moves with your legs, reaches with your hands, speaks with your voice, and sees with your eyes. Because of you, love goes forth into the world. Without you, it would be invisible. The love that expresses through you is the holy presence, the human vehicle ablaze with the divine light, the very embodiment of God's love. 